Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on KSatPress.com. I'm David Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is in Vancouver this weekend for UFC 289, headlined by Amanda Nunez versus Irene Aldana. We'll, of course, be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, as always, I'm bringing you the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this weekend is our interview with Blake Builder, who's talking not just about his fight this weekend, but also what he has in common with Post Malone. And a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to be talking about Adam Fugit spoiling people's day. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with a sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. Make no mistake, this is no sports drink. This is a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, very drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink? Maybe it couldn't hurt. Uh, Game Up is not a hard seltzer because hard seltzers just don't work out. Game Up plays by a league entirely of its own. It comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mother mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it home for the team. Game Up Hard Hydration brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Blake Builder, who fights Kyle Nelson at UFC 289. That fight is on June 10th. So, Blake, before we get into talking about your upcoming fight, I did want to talk about your UFC debut first. You obviously have the big win on Contender Series. They book you for your first fight down in Australia on pay-per-view. You pick up the win against the local. What was the whole experience like for you? Man, the experience was beautiful. You know, I, I, I look at it as like this. My life is like a real-life street fighter game. So I just get to go around and travel to different countries and, and beat people up in their backyards and go see, go see new cultures and new people and experience all these different, these different experiences. It's, it's beautiful for me. It's a, it's a dream come true. Yeah, and I was going to talk about you going to Canada in a second, too. But before we do that, let, let's talk about what did you do in Australia? Did you get some time where you got to go check some things out, or did you have to, like, fly back pretty quickly after the fight? Uh, we had a couple days where we got to hang out and and experience Australia. Uh, but we we went a little bit earlier than what we were supposed to, just so we could get acclimated to the to the time and and acclimated to the environment and whatnot and just kind of get settled in so we uh we stayed a couple days afterwards and went to the mall and met some people and and went out with them and went bowling and and played some arcade games and whatnot uh we 
We went to the beach. Uh, I got kicked out of a restaurant actually for having a face tattoo. Uh, they, they're, we're, 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 we're eating at this one place, uh, over by the beach and, and, uh, we, and we're thirsty. We're like, Oh man, it'd be, it'd be nice to, to, to get some beverages. I just signed a few autographs to the tables next to me. And the guy walks up, he goes, he's like, and, uh, I, I, no, I'm heading inside cause we haven't gotten a drink yet. And we're like, okay, that's, you know, well, 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 maybe you just got to go ask for it. So I walk in and the guy's like, oh, I'm like, terribly sorry. He's like, but well, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And I was like, I was like, uh, all right, cool. I was like, uh, well, I think my coach wanted a lemonade. I was like, my friend Lou wanted, uh, orange juice. You want orange juice? Yeah, orange juice. He wanted orange juice and I'll take a uh, coffee. And he's like, not saying anything. And I'm like, wait. Are you serious? He's like, he's like, oh my, eh, I'm terribly sorry. He's like, but we got a complaint from one of the customers. He's like, we have a terrible problem with bikies around here. He's like, I was like, what? He's like, with your face tattoo. He's like, and he's like, we just, we can't have that. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're serious. So I was, I was forced to leave due to, due to my, the cross on my face. that that's wild so did that you get any more flack about it while you were in australia is it like an australian thing or or was it just that one spot it was uh it's an australian thing i guess i guess post malone got kicked out of a few places as well (laughs) so uh uh, it it just it just is what it is at first i was like man what the but it, it's just the rules, man. I mean, they must have a really bad problem with bike with bikers around there or people with face tats. So I just I just left. The food was actually really good, which kind of sucks. I was like, <laughs> hoping it would like not be good, so I could be like, oh, forget them, you know. So so you, you're now good. you're now on that wonderful short list. It's you and Post Malone getting thrown out of places in Australia. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, Post, I feel for you, Post. <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. So all right, so let, let's talk about getting a chance to fight again. Another hometown kiddo here in in Kyle Nelson up in Canada. Uh, before we talk about you know traveling across another border and and getting a chance to fight you know another hometown kid. They put you on a pay-per-view card for the second straight time. You know, coming off the Contender Series, you obviously had the exciting win. And now you're fighting twice in a row in kind of showcase cards. What were sort of your thoughts when they told you, once again, they want you out with the live crowd and on a pay-per-view? Oh, I told I told my management, I go, I go, hey, I'm not, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm cool with fight nights and all that, and, like, I appreciate it, but, uh, I'm meant for the big stage. I want, I want, I want big fights. I want big names. I want a big crowd because it doesn't matter <clears throat> to me, Dan, it doesn't matter if they're cheering for me or against me, that energy that they give off, I feed off of it. Like it, 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 it makes me come alive. So I love it. I live for it. Like, I think, it, I think it's great. Is so some- when they put me on big, when they put me on big cards like that, it's like, it's, it's, it's perfect to me. And have you felt that way from the beginning of your MMA career? Have you always felt like when there are people chanting, you know, cause those, whole, those early, you know, fights when you first turn pro, you know, they're in small places, but the, those are usually some of the most intense crowds anyway. 
did you feel that from the first time you fought? Yeah, yeah, I did. And you know what? It's 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 uh something that my buddy who has started boxing with, Manny, he was number three in the country, and he was explaining to me uh the crowds. And he's like, you know, uh MMA crowd is a lot different than a boxing crowd. Boxing crowd, um, there's just a different there's just a different dynamic of, of, of people that are there and how, and how serious they are and, and, and how they'll heckle you and how they treat you. And he goes, it's just very different. So it kind of put into my mindset right when I first started, like the crowd, the crowd is different. Uh, they talk to you different. They act different. Uh, boxing is very different from MMA and just uh in just subtle ways and and he's like you'll you'll see it as you as you go to these fights and so it kind of prepared my mind for what was to come and 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 I noticed the 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 differences and I'm able to adapt to that environment I just I I I I can I can sense the energy and I just uh absorb the good and and get rid of the bad I dig it. Now, you're, you're probably going to get a little bit more of the bad here coming up fighting another kid. Uh, you're going to Canada this time. I got to ask, you know, not necessarily as exotic as going to Australia, but you got plans to uh, <laughs> yeah. to spend a little bit more time in Vancouver? Yeah, we plan on uh, doing a little bit of golfing out there while we're, while, while we're there. Me and, my, me and my boxing coach, we golf a lot. So we plan on getting out golfing, uh, going and seeing some of the some of the scenery around there they got beautiful hikes out there and uh yeah but we're not we're gonna we're not gonna stay like as long as we did when we were out in uh when we were out in out in australia you know i'm pretty much from canada minnesota's the border minnesota's right on the border of canada so I'm 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 used to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I've, I've, I've had enough of pine trees. I want palm trees in the <laughs> Maybe for the next pay per view. Maybe for the next one. Yeah, so, maybe for the next pay per view. Put me on Abu Dhabi. Send me <laughs> send me another exotic place. That that would definitely be more exotic than Vancouver. So <laughs> let's talk about the fight itself. You're fighting Kyle Nelson. When they came to you with that yes, name, obviously you've you've brought up, you know, you've picked up a couple of really exciting wins in a row. But Kyle Nelson on a little bit of a skid. So it, when they came to you with that name, were you excited? Did you like the style matchup? Were you just happy to be booked again? What, what, what were sort of your first thoughts? Uh, I was hoping that it'd be somebody that was that was uh, uh, more highly ranked, uh, so I could climb up the ranks faster. Um, but it doesn't matter to me for me, like what's exciting for me is that I I'm on a, a big card on a big venue with a lot of eyes on me. I don't care that it's his hometown. I don't care that I don't, none of that matters. I don't care that it's his, his country or whatever. What I want is to fight good fighters. I want to fight the best. I want to fight the good fighters, the best fighters. And I want to show them that no, no matter where they put me, if it's uh, in everybody else's backyard, whether I'm the underdog, whether this or that, that I'm going to come out and with when you're in a fight with me, you're going to know that you're in a fight and it's going to be a long night for you. So then uh, give me the official prediction. How's this one go down on June 10th? How do you see it ending? I can't give the exact details because that's uh, 
that's the secret, but I can tell you that that, that it will be a finish. All right. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. This has been Blake Builder, who fights Kyle Nelson at UFC 289. That fight is on June 10th. Blake, thanks so much for the time. Don't get thrown out of any bars in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I'll try not to. I'll cover up my face. I'll put a Band-Aid on like Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have enjoyed that interview with Blake Builder. I once again am Dan. You're going to be freely enjoyed now by my co-host Shockwave, Dave Tremonte. Dave, I was about to reveal this to you just before we started taping, but I decided to wait until we are taping. I want to get your live reaction here. UFC 292 is coming up a little bit later on in August at the end of the summer. Just announced for a real fight in the UFC, Chris Weidman. Before you know the opponent, I want to get your take on this. I want to get your take on this. How do you feel about letting Chris Weidman fight again at this point? Uh, right now, Gumby, I have such a flood of emotions to process. You really hit me with your best shot because I really thought you were going to say they announced Connor and Chandler with Connor on like a short stint USADA testing pool so he can like, you know, get a, not have to get off the steroids quickly or something. Okay, so now that I've processed all this, that is ridiculous. Uh, I'm not one to say, oh, so-and-so should retire. I hate to be dramatic, but Weidman should retire. I, he hasn't been competitive now. That being said, the amount of time off, that always helps, right? You know, it's not like uh, Cowboy Cerrone or like a Frankie Edgar who towards that tail end, Chuck Liddell, they were taking fights regularly and it was getting uglier and uglier. So I will hold a, a, a card in my back pocket, if you will, that says, all right, at least he's been off for a while. But more or less, his fights were not competitive when he was fighting pre that horrific injury. And, you know, not to be dramatic, but he's a guy that I think you can noticeably see from when he came into the UFC to recently. His speech seems a lot different to me. I, it's like as bad as, uh, what's her name, uh, Mackenzie Dern's uh fading English accent over the years. You can literally see a decline in speech. So for me, it's like, dude, how the Massachusetts commission is going to allow that, I think is sketchy. This is going to be one of the worst, you know, it could be one of the worst killings since the Boston massacre. I hope that's not the case. I really do. But gut instinct, that's not cool. Okay. So first thing I have to say is due to the last time they were in Boston, he headlined and was knocked out by Dominic Reyes who literally has not won a fight since. That fight took place in October of 2019. Uh, so, so yes, even then, he was declining, and that was four years ago. And Dominic Reyes, like I said, hasn't won since. Um, now, uh, I'm going to give you the opponent, and you tell me if it makes you feel any better that he's fighting Brad Tavares. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that does make me feel a little better. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I thought the letdown would be there. <laughs> yeah. I, now, if you had said, like, you know, they're giving him uh, Alex Pereira or something, like, you know, we'd, we'd be having a different conversation right now. But, uh, all right, I mean, hey, I don't think it's the greatest idea. I just happen to really like Chris Weidman, so I say this as, like, a true fan, just a guy. I don't know him personally, right? But I just say this as a person who appreciates his, his work ethic and what he brought in the past uh to our entertainment i hope the best for him 
and I hope he doesn't die. And at the very least, he has had a lot of time off to recuperate, and it's not a top-tier opponent. So that's good. Yeah, and it's it, the other thing is not a guy who with big KO power. Like, he's got one KO uh, in the last 10 years. Actually, in the last 12 years, he has one KO, and it's a TKO win over Christoph Jaco. So, like, I, dude, I guess if you're going to bring Chris Weidman back, that's probably how you do it. So, uh, for, for once, let's throw our props up to the UFC matchmaking. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, all right. Well, that's UFC 292 in August, but we have UFC 289 in Vancouver this weekend. So, let's get into it, Gumby. Let's do our favorite segment, fights, dogs, parlays. We'll break down a few fights with the odds, tell you who to bet on. We'll give you a live dog to play. We'll give you a parlay to play. But before we get into it, Gumby... Does anyone sponsor this edition of Fight Stogs and Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Stogs and Parlays is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with a sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. It's got 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. You can catch it in all of your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit punch, and grape. And with 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Make sure to ask for Game Up wherever it is. You buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team. Bring it on home for the team. We love Game Up. When you're going out drinking this weekend or drinking at home, think of Game Up. Don't forget Game Up. We love Game Up. We love Game Up. Okay, let's start with the main event. It's Amanda Nunez, the combat, the female combat sports goat at minus 350, taking on Irene Aldana at plus 280. I actually feel like this line would be even heavier had uh, Nunez not lost to the Venezuelan Vixen, um, you know, and that would be the one blemish on her record in the past few years. Uh, but she did come back and avenge that loss, so she stands at a minus 350. Can't stress this enough. She is the combat sports goat for the females. This is a title that you just know the UFC marketing department wanted to keep on Ronda Rousey or maybe transition to like an Amanda Nunez or someone who's just more Dana's speed, so to speak. But Amanda Nunez has done the impossible, the incredible. She lost to Katzengano back in September of 2014, uh, was actually winning the first round of that fight, if I recall. Came back, lost, okay, whatever. Went on a incredible run. 12 fights, uh, win streak in a row, beating the likes of, are you ready for this? Ronda Rousey, Valentina Shevchenko, Holly Holm, and uh, someone named Chris Cyborg. Who's that? You were talking about some combat sports, goats there, all champions, and Jermaine Duran to me too, LOL. Also a champion she defeated in that. Then ran into Juliana Pena, lost via rear naked choke, looked listless, got lit up in the second round after winning the first round. That was back in December of 2021. Came back six months later in July of 2022, avenged the loss, took a unanimous decision win over Juliana Pena. This was supposed to be the uh, tiebreaker, the rubber match. Al- didn't work out, though. Aldana's coming in now on a two-fight win streak, coming off two TKO KO wins over Macy Chason and Yana Kuniskaya. She had lost to Holly Holm before that. She had beaten Caitlin Vieira and Vanessa Mello before that. So if you really want to peel it back far... She's four and one in her last five. You could get plus 280 money on her. I know you're going to pick Amanda Nunez, Gumby, 
But let's hear reasons one might take Irene Aldana at plus 280. So I think the only reason you take Irene Aldana at plus 280 is, first of all, that you believe that there might be another letdown from Amanda Nunes. Uh, Because I I think Amanda Nunes, when she comes in motivated like she did for the second Juliana Pena fight, I don't think there's any beating her. Um, I I don't think anybody's got the ability to at this point in time. So I I think the first way that you, you have to think about it is you have to think about some bad headspace. Um, and I think she's mostly cleared that now. I, I think having had the letdown, having broken the streak, I, I think you're going to see a better version of her. The other thing you might like is you might like the striking of Arena Aldana. If you think this fight largely takes place on the feet, uh, you could convince me that Arena Aldana could outpoint her or even land that big shot. The problem for me is just that, like, I don't think Amanda Nunes is dumb enough to leave this on the feet all the time. You know, like, she's gone in in her last few fights. And really turned up the grappling, right? She had six takedowns against Pena in the second fight. Um, you want to go back to her fight with Felicia Spencer, six f- takedowns in that one, eight against Jermaine Durandamy. Um, You know, she she didn't actually officially take down Megan Anderson. She kind of, like, tripped her in that. But, again, got the submission, got to the ground. So, like, she's been getting to her grappling more often in her recent fights. And Arena Aldana's got terrible takedown defense. Macy Chason got her down a bunch of times. And, really, she only got the knockout because she hit that weird kick to the the liver while after Macy Chason had taken her down. So like, I I just don't trust that she can keep it on the feet long enough here. And for that reason, I'm all over Amanda Nunes. I actually think the numbers should be tons higher on her here. I like it. Uh, Let's get then to the other main event, the co-main event, if you will. Uh, And some might say as a real main event on this, on this fight card, because it's a fire uh, matchup. It's Benil Darush, a minus 120. And Charlie Olives, the former champion, betting off at a plus 105. Razor thin odds. Weird to see Charlie Olives at the plus money, though, even though it is very slight. But Darush is on a win streak of all win streaks. He's won eight in a row. Wins over Matias Gemrat is who he's coming off uh, his most recent win. Beat the likes of Tony Ferguson, Carlos Diego Ferreira, and Scott Holtzman before that. He has uh, triangle uh, armbar submission wins. He has a decent amount of KOs uh, wins and a lot of unanimous decision wins. He has multiple ways to win. We know he's a good wrestler. We know he's a good grappler. But he's really just striking in this win streak. I will say uh, in modern-day UFC with rosters that are just stacked, especially at 155 pounds, rosters that have 90 fighters on them, uh, and this goes for 145 all the way – or I should say 135 all the way up to 170 – when you have deep rosters like this, we have seen guys go on these crazy runs and everyone screams and shouts, oh, they need the title shot. But, you know, this is very telling to me. If Benil Darouche loses to Charlie Olives this weekend, you know, how long would he have to wait again for a title shot? Would he even get a title shot? This kind of is his title shot. We've seen guys go on seven, eight-fight win streaks before and never end up with a title shot. We've seen people like Max Holloway have to win 11 in a row to get their title shot. Ditto Tony Ferguson, people like that. So it's a very interesting matchup uh, in Benil Darush's career, and it's probably going to determine a lot about which way his career goes. He's getting the former champ off a loss to Islam Makhachev via arm triangle choke where he lost, to the, uh, where he lost his title. He'd beaten Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler before that, so the tops of the division. Razor close fight here. Who you got? 
I'm actually going to go with the dog, Charles Oliveira. Uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned that really long win streak of Benil Dariush, and I really don't want to take anything away from him. Because, first of all, I, I actually believe he deserved the title shot already. Um, the fact that they're making him fight again is kind of a bummer to me. Uh, but with th- that being said, th- the best win on this run, it's Mateus Gamera, and it's not close, man. Um, you know, like, after that, you might say, uh, I mean, like a very wash Tony Ferguson, who he fought to a decision. He, he beat Diego Fajeda in a split, um, where one judge gave it to Diego Fajeda. Um, he was almost knocked out by Drakkar Closa, which I feel like people forget. Um, and he had to have that comeback win that, that got everybody all jacked up. You know, Frank Camacho, Drew Dober, Tiago Moises. Like, these are not household names we're talking about him beating here. And, you know, I, I can't believe Charles Oliveira is being slighted like this. This is a guy who submitted Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier back-to-back after knocking out Michael Chandler. He's got the takedowns that took down Chandler. Um, and, yeah, he looked a little bit rough against Islam Makachev, but, like, hey, Islam Makachev went toe-to-toe with uh, Alexander Volkanovsky in a fight that, you know, I think Volkanovsky won, but he could go toe-to-toe with Volkanovsky. So, yeah, he, he's one of the best in the world here, Makachev is. So, I think people are writing off Oliveira. I think he could get it done with the grappling, uh, even though Darius is very good grappling in his own right. I think you're going to be surprised at how good his striking is. I mean, he knocked out Chandler, and really, he he had uh, both Gaethje and Poye hurt on the feet, too. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I think Oliveira wildly underrated here. Give me the dog money on him. Gumby, I could not agree more with you, word for word. I, too, am picking Charlie Olives for all the reasons you mentioned. I can't believe... Uh, they're actually slighting him like this. I almost wish that odds makers were dumber and would give me even more on the plus money, but I'll take even the very slight plus money on the former champion. I think he gets it done against Benil Darush, and I think the point you brought up about the quality of competition is a big one that should not be overlooked. Sometimes there are freaky, sort of fluky win streaks in the UFC. I think that's what I was trying to say earlier, and I would put Benil Darush's win streak in there. Uh, I don't think it's as impressive as it looks on paper. No offense to the Benil Darush fans out there. We have another tightly contested fight in Nazardine Imavov at minus 125 and Chris Curtis at plus 105. So very, very tight odds here. Imavov is coming off a loss to Sean Strickland, but he had beaten three people in a row before that, including the likes of Joaquin Buckley, Edmund Shabazian, Ian Heinish, some of the upper mid-carters, if you will, of the division. Uh, but again, coming off the loss. And Chris Curtis who, again, is betting off at a very slight plus 105 dog money, is coming off coming off a loss to Kevin Gastelum, Kelvin Gastelum, but he had beaten Joaquin Buckley, the aforementioned before that, lost to Jack Hermanson before that, and he was on a very respectable three-fight win streak as he debuted in the UFC. So all told, he is 4-2 and two in his last six and 4-2 and two total in the UFC. Who you got? I'm going to go with him off. I, I am a big Chris Curtis fan. We've had him on the show like a hundred times. I, I am uh, a big fan of him, but I do worry about how he's going to deal with the length here. Um, while you don't see a huge discrepancy in their, their like measured lengths, the way that Imavov fights so long, I think it's going to be a big problem for Curtis. I also just think Curtis is going to spend a lot of this fight backing up and shelling up. And I just think the way that uh, Imavov pieces you know, like two or three punch combinations and kind of snipes. I mean, he's called the Russian sniper for a reason. 
the way he snipes uh, his shots. I, I think it's just going to be too much for Curtis. I also low-key think he's got a slight wrestling advantage, which I think people sleep on the fact that Imavov can wrestle a little bit because he's, you know, he's a French guy with a Russian-sounding name. But he does wrestle pretty well when he chooses to. So I'm going to go with the slight favorite here, Imavov. I like it. And uh, if you had to put a prop bet on this fight, is there any prop bet you might look at without knowing what the odds are per se right off the top of your head? But is there anything that jumps out to you where you'd see a prop that you might want to get action on? Yeah. So I actually uh, had dug in on these just a tiny bit um, ahead of time because I, I, you know, I like to, to keep my eye on good prop bets. And I actually just think the over on these fights, this fight makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, like early I saw that this fight going to decision uh, was was right around negative 120. Uh, and I think it will go to decision. So I think as a slight favorite there, you can get uh, Nasoradino Mavov versus Chris Curtis just goes all three rounds. And if you want to get fancy, take him off by decision because I, I actually don't think he's going to knock out Chris Curtis. All right. Well, there's a bonus prop of the week for you. Our underdog of the week, though, we'll speed through these last two, Gumby. Ayman Zahabi is our dog of the week, our dog of the week. Let's hear it. Yeah, so Ayman Zahabi, who was on our show last week, love Ayman Zahabi. But the real reason I like Ayman Zahabi is his ability to counter guys who are trying to get in his face, right? We saw it in the Draco Rodriguez fight. Guys who like to try to get in Ayman Zahabi's face often pay a price. And I think the only reason the books are fading him is he had that really weird win over Ricky Tercios where it looked like both guys wanted to counter and neither guy really knew why the other one wasn't pressing forward. Um, I I think it's a silly reason to fade him here because Aori is a guy who throws. He's a guy who's going to try to get in his face and isn't particularly accurate in my opinion. So I think Ayman Zahabi hits him with a couple of really nice counters here and we see him pick up a big win. All right, and our parlay to play is Blake uh, Builder, minus 200, and Miranda Maverick, a minus 300. We love us some Miranda Maverick. Pair those two, you know, very solid favorites, two to, two, two to one, three to one. Pair them together, though, it does get you plus odds at plus 100. Break it down. So, yeah, I think Blake Builder versus Kyle Nelson is a great fight for Builder. He is a little bit shorter, which is going to be something he's going to have to deal with in this fight. But, man, we saw in his debut fight, the grappling is for real with Blake Builder. He went down under and beat Shane Young in his hometown. I think, for me, that is just an absolutely awesome victory. And it shows his grappling is good enough to beat a guy like Kyle Nelson, which is why you see him at negative 200 here just in his second UFC fight. Also, I love Miranda Maverick in this fight because while I like Jasmine Jesudavicius, I, I just think Miranda Maverick's grappling is just going to be too much for her. And Jesudavicius really hasn't beaten anybody she can't bully. So I'll take the negative 300 on Miranda Maverick, pair it with Blake Builder here, and get plus 100. Boom. All right, that wraps up this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Let us know how we did. Did we do you right? Did we do you dirty with some of these predictions? You can hit us up on the social media at Top Turtle MMA. Gumby, we're having a party here. Let's not let it stop. What should we do next? Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with Adam Fugit, who just came off of his big victory over Kinoshita. He is now talking about his upcoming fight this weekend, where he's going into enemy territory on this pay-per-view card and fighting Mike Malott. And we're going to get to that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Adam Fugate, who fights Mike Malat at UFC 289. That fight is on June 10th. So, Adam, before we get to talking about your upcoming fight, I obviously want to talk about your first win in the UFC. You get that super short notice debut, which obviously doesn't go your way. 
And the UFC lines you right up with another hot prospect, a guy they think very highly of from a market they're trying to capitalize on. What did it feel like to walk out of that fight with a win and to finally get your hand raised in the UFC? <laughs> uh, I felt uh, I felt justified, I guess. I felt, uh, you know, like, hey, I just uh, – I knew I belonged, and uh, here I am. See, you know, see me now, basically. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't have been happier um, with everything leading up to it. Basically, everything me and my team had talked about and planned for – um, all fell into place and um, it just you know I really feel like that one kind of just manifested itself and I couldn't have been happier I like that now you you said some of the things that your team had expected and again you were a massive underdog in this fight against Kitashita what, what were some of the things that your team kind of saw as his weakness as a, a younger guy you know he's uh he had a lot of success um, especially with finishing people and you know that makes you very confident and um you know we we noticed that he really likes to to get off to a fast start get in your face and you know he's kind of got that uh that bully mentality we knew that he was going to be you know gung-ho right away and we had to kind of set the tone that we were going to operate on our own um accord we're going to you know fight in our space and in our at our pace so um yeah, we we knew that going in. We definitely had a plan for it, and then we there was questions around his grappling. You know, um, another uh, another thing we kind of noticed was just the the lack of uh, of any kind of ground fighting for him. So, um, you know, be it on offense or on defense. So we definitely wanted to test those waters. Yeah, and absolutely. And so when you're in there, and you're you you know he's going to come out early. You know he's going to come out hard. And, and things are starting to go your way. Did you feel in control of that whole fight? Uh, I very much did, you know. Um, I very much was trying to uh, basically set that uh, negative repercussion for just walking into my space. Um, and once I kind of got that established um, and the fight started kind of slowing down, I, I knew that uh, I knew that things had the tide had turned and everything was going was in my favor. At least that's what it felt like. Absolutely. Now, I, I, I got to ask, too, because this is not, you know, and I mentioned it at the top. This is not the first time you fought a young up-and-comer, right? Because you fought Kinoshita, you know, a young up-and-comer from Japan. You fought Morales, you know, a young up-and-comer from South America. Even if you want to go before your time in the UFC, you know, like, you, you fought Solomon Renfro, a guy who people had circled as being a UFC prospect, you know, a young up-and-comer from the United States. Like, you're not like, you know, you're not a young guy yourself, right? You're not an old guy either. You're in your thirties, but like, what is it like to be turning away these guys who are, you know, some of them are almost a decade younger than you. <laughs> I mean, um, I think that I've just kind of established that, that, I don't know. Is it a persona? I don't think it's a persona. I think that's like your typical Adam Fugit fight now is you're, they're going to send them into a, uh, into enemy territory as the, the Vegas betting odds uh, underdog against, you know, one of these guys that uh, these, these big prospects, you know, that, yeah, this is the fourth fight in a row that I'm fighting uh, a guy that's been on the contender series that, uh, you know, um, I'm not sure if there's any truth to this, that when I was trying to get on the contender series, it was made out that my age was a little bit of an issue. I was a little too old. So um, I didn't get that opportunity. I had to come in on nine, nine days notice against Michael Morales, but um, I think that's your uh, your prototypical Adam Fugit fight. What uh, what prospect and what what uh, up and co- um, what 
guy from a different part of the the country is the UFC trying to make get a foothold in it? Are they putting this guy up against? So, and, and so I got to ask you too. You know, you, you're saying this is your prototypical fight. Do, do you thrive knowing that that they keep sending you these guys who you know people doubt you against and like do do you feed off of that? <laughs> I mean, you have to, right? I mean, if I if I let it get in my head too much, you know, you, you make yourself out to be uh, the victim, right? Oh, they're just there's you know, throw me in there, the sharks or something like that. But no, that's, that's not what it is. I'm a shark too, you know, and, uh, why, and they're putting, you know, these, they're putting these guys through the ringer. They're, they're putting the test is me, you know, can you get over this hump? And sooner or later, that's going to change. It's going to go Adam Fugit is the test to the gatekeeper of, uh, getting into the UFC to Adam Fugit's the, the, the prospect that's making his way up the ladder. And, and so I got to ask too, you know, you, you've been in the game, you know, eight years you've been fighting either professionally or as an amateur. Is there a reason why you're peaking now? Like, cause you know, a lot of people say they peak at 24 or 25 or 27 or, you know, some of the higher weight classes are peaking at like, you know, 32, but you're, you're 34 and you're the best version of yourself right now. Is there a reason why you think that that's true for you? <laughs> um, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, uh... I'm not sure if I if I agree if this is the best version of myself. I still believe that there's more to be had. And, um, but, uh, you know, I think that uh, everything's, you know, all the stars are aligning. Um, just finally getting an opportunity to, to go out there and prove myself and, and prove my worth. And, um, you know, I, I, I like I said, I still think there's a lot more room for growth. And uh, I, I look forward to continuing that and continue to become a more complete fighter, a more complete product and being the best version of myself. So uh, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's that maybe I don't feel that's because I don't feel like I'm done yet. Well, we don't feel like you're done yet. I, I did mean the best version we've seen so far. I, I didn't mean to tell you that, that we've hit some kind of gap. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, so let's talk about your next enemy territory fight. Cause now you know, Mike Mollott, maybe not the, the 24-year-old that you've been getting so far in the UFC, but he is a dude who is very hyped by the media right now. He's he's a guy who everybody's talking about, you know, and, and you're fighting him in his backyard in Canada. What what did you think when the UFC came to you with the name Mike Mollott? Uh, it was kind of funny. After I got home from the Apex, uh, me and my girlfriend were sitting back watching uh, the following weekend. And uh, they had told me that, you know, that, hey, stay ready. There might be a quick turnaround. And um, Mike got in there and fought uh, Johan, and he got a quick finish. And I kind of looked over to the girlfriend. And I said, I, he got a quick finish. I got a quick finish. I could see them setting this one up right here around the corner. So, um, and she, you know, she kind of looked at me like, you think so? And I was like, I, I, I kind of know so. I just have a, uh, something just clicked. Like, I think that's what's going to happen. So, um, you know. He is uh, the hometown kid up in Canada. Um, he's got a lot of hype behind him. Um, I fought up in uh, Vancouver twice in the amateur days of Muay Thai, so I'm, I'm kind of familiar with the Muay Thai culture up there, and, and hopefully I'll have at least some fans out in the crowd. But uh, I don't know. Um, i like to remind everybody I'm the, I'm the Pacific Northwest fighter here. Uh, I don't think <laughs> – Somewhere from the East Coast, right? He may be Canadian, but uh, I'm the guy from the Pacific Northwest that's never left, that's still repping it. I don't live down in sunny California, you know. So, uh, if anything, I feel like he's walking into my backyard. 
I like that, Midtown. I like that. A little spin there. Now, you, you said when you watch him fought Yoran Lane, uh, you, you, you kind of had him circled already as an opponent. Was yeah. there something particularly about, other than just how the fight went, that you liked about him and being an opponent? Do you, do you like that style that he brings? What, what what particularly made you, you know, say, hey, Mike Malott's a good match for me? I think it is the height, man. I think, uh, I think, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's a little bit arrogant, but uh, I've been stealing some height here and there with uh, some of these young guys. And, uh, you know, uh, I see there's a lot of height behind him. And, uh, you know, I, I think I want to snatch it up for myself. I dig that. I dig that. Now, I also, you know, I'd be remiss if I did not mention, not only is this fight in Canada, not only is this fight in front of a large crowd up there in Vancouver, but this is on the pay-per-view main card last time I checked. You are going to be part of the main attraction here. What what does that feel like in just your third fight in the UFC? Oh, man, it's a, it's a dream come true. This, that, that's where I want to be. I don't, you know, nope, I don't, I don't get my rocks off just fighting for the UFC on some undercard or, or being, um, you know, out of the apex when there's nothing wrong with those things. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I've always held myself to a different standard. I expect, you know, the best out of myself and the best part uh, version of myself is going to be the guy that's fighting on the main card, if not in the main event. And for one of those, those belts, that's what I want to do. And, um, you know, um, I just feel like as a, as a fighter on the UFC scale, if you don't have those aspirations, then you don't belong here. I love that. Now, you know, before I let any fighter go, I do always like to get a prediction out of you. So you're fighting Mike Malott, June 10th. Tell me how this one ends. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm going to get him out of that first round. We're going to see what kind of gas tank he's got. And if there's a finish to be had, you best believe I'm going to be going for it. Um, you know, be it on the feet, be it on the ground. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm hunting a finish just like I always do. And we know from Mike, he's going to be hunting that finish. But, um, you know, so I think, uh, like I just asked about this, why should somebody watch my fight? And I, I think it's those reasons I think that I look for finishes. Mike's always looking for a finish. And I think that everybody should be on the edge of their seat um, expecting that finish. So, that's that's what I'm going with right now, and uh, at least that's what I'm willing to reveal right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate the uh, the candor. So, once again, fans, this has been Adam Fugate, who fights Mike Malott. That fight is at UFC 289 on June 10th. Adam, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me on. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Game Up Hard Hydration, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. Until next week, I'm Dave Gubby Freeland, he's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll catch you then.